we're going to get started in, um, in the Word of God this morning. And I'm really excited about this because I love the topic of friendship. I, I love my friends, obviously. They wouldn't be my friends if I didn't love them. Um, but I just love this whole idea. And I've been kind of on and off going on a journey of really uh, thinking about friendships and trying to understand how friendship kind of works and um, yeah, how, how we actually implement friendship in our life. And that's probably been over the last, I don't know, decade maybe of my life, where this is in, in different seasons, it's kind of really come to the surface. And so I'm excited to share a few practical, we're going to go very practical today. Um, so I'm excited to share some insights that are practical with you this morning. But as well, um, most of the scripture, if not all, uh, comes from one of my favorite books in the Bible as well, and that's from the book of Proverbs. See, I love Proverbs, even though I like um, sort of God's commands and him telling me exactly what to do in life. I love that. How many of you love that? No one likes that, all right? Uh, You're nodding in your heart. You're nodding in your heart. Um, But I love it because, um, you know, in different situations, I find that it's good to know what God wants of me, and I'm able to do that. But the beautiful thing about Proverbs, and I'm so thankful that God put a book like this in his word, is because Proverbs is all about wisdom. It's all about navigating those gray areas in life, right, where we're like, I don't know exactly if there's a right or wrong here, but there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of things that I could choose. And um, so we're going to talk about friendship from this book of Proverbs and just check out a lot of the idioms, check out a lot of the sayings that it has in regards to friendship, because there's so much wisdom in Proverbs. And even the scriptures that we're going to touch on today, that's like a fraction of what we can find in the book of Proverbs. So I encourage you in your own time, do some personal study into friendship from the book of of Proverbs. I reckon it will be so encouraging. And so... um, guiding. I don't know. I find that there's a lot of clarity in the book of Proverbs. So we're going to jump straight into our first one, first proverb of the day, and that's found in Proverbs 17 verse 17. And it says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. You see, last week we talked about the difference between friends and family, right? That there's a little bit of a distinction. And again, we see this concept of a friend loving at all times, whereas a brother being born for adversity. And it's almost like this proverb is sort of sharing that at some times in our life that friends can actually be better for us than our siblings, And for those of you who come from families that are, you know, you're really well connected and you have friendship amongst your family, that's awesome. Um, But for the rest of us, this really offers hope where if we're not close with our siblings, if we don't really like our siblings or they don't really like us, come on, let's be honest, um, (laughs) then there's so much hope in this. It's like God gives us this beautiful gift of friendship where we don't have to miss out on being filled in that relational kind of a way, but we can have friendships. And what we see in this scripture, and a bit what we talked about last week, is that often family relationships, right, are for security, they're for safety. You know, how many of us will jump into action when we hear of a brother or sister or a parent who are in need? We want to be there for them, right? We'll come to their aid. There's not not much that we wouldn't do for our family, right? But this proverb talks about how friends love at all times. So they're not just there for those times where they actually need you, but they're there at all times. And you know, coming back to the whole thing of 
siblings, you might not like them and that kind of a thing. We don't have to feel like we're missing out, but there's people in our world that we can have with us at all times. And you know, what times are we talking about? Times when we want to laugh, times when we want to cry, times when, you know, we are on top of the mountain and we are doing great things in our life, and then times where we don't even want to get out of bed because we can't be bothered and, um, you know, life is just a little bit sucky at the moment. And then there are really mundane times, and then there are adventurous times to life. This is kind of the all times that we are talking about. And this is a unique thing about friendship, that friends love at all times. And these are the kinds of friends that we want to be. We want to be friends that love at all times. And we want to attract those people into our life, don't we? We don't want to just be giving out, but we want to have people who also love us at all times. And you know, what we've got to understand in order to be that friend that loves at all times, there's often a cost to it. It's not all smooth sailing, but if we want to be that friend that rocks up when our friends are in need, there's going to be something that costs us. You know, when Nate and I were starting um, our family, kind of starting that season, you sort of notice family-related things a little bit more, right? Um, it's kind of anything that you go through. You, you tend to spot those things a little bit more and notice those things in your world. And so um, what I found, and it was kind of cool because there was a season of my friends getting pregnant and starting their families and having baby showers. And what I noticed is that when I'd rock up to these baby showers, um, being mutual friends with their friends and stuff, I would know of the other ladies that were coming along who wanted to start that season of their life. They wanted to have kids, wanted to start a family, but due to whatever circumstance, they weren't able yet to. And so you'd see them arrive, and it was almost like this sense of, it's painful to be here, but at the very same time, I'm so enthusiastic about you getting to celebrate this time of your life. And they were there for their friends. And you know, I thought, this is what this proverb is talking about, this friend that loves at all times, even when it costs, even when it's like, really, I want to cry and smile on the inside with you, but I'm here, I'm rocking up, I'm going to be in your space, and I'm going to continue to offer my friendship, even if that's not something I get to celebrate for my life yet. You know, I'd always come away thinking, I'm inspired by those people. They're so inspiring, and I think I want to be a friend like that, and I want to have friends like that as well, that can celebrate with me, I can celebrate with them, but also I can cry with them, and they with me. So this is what all times is sort of thinking about, and there is a cost to it. You know, something else that I found interesting about the culture of the day where Proverbs was actually written, right? This culture was, well, society, it was made up of families. You were known and organised as families. So you'd have your last name or the family name and people would know you according to that name. That's how society sort of functioned. And again, very much for security reasons that you'd be looked after, um, that you wouldn't, you know, come to ruin financially or anything because your family was there as your safety net. So it's very interesting that we find that the author of Proverbs actually writes into this that, hey, friends love at all times and a brother is born for adversity. It's almost like he's saying, we understand family. We understand the basic function of family in our society, but we need to also understand what friends are there for and that we don't miss out on this because there's so much importance and significance to friendship. And it's actually... Um, uh, they're kind of significant for opposite reasons. So family may be necessary, um, and that's why 
that's why family is important, because they're actually necessary to our survival and to our functioning, right? But it's the very reason why um, friendship, the fact that friendship is unnecessary, that's where its importance and its strength comes from. It's the fact that we actually choose our friends and they choose us. We choose them to love them and they choose us to love them. And there's something so special about being chosen that God actually wants us to get. Hence why he encourages us to have friendship. There's something so special in that. So that's our first proverb, Proverbs 17, 17, how we love at all times. That's kind of the goal of the kind of friend that we want to be, and that's the kind of friends that we want to attract as well. There's another proverb, very similar. It's Proverbs 18, 24, and it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see here, the word sticks can also be translated to cleave, right? And I think most of us would be, um, what's the word, familiar with this phrase because we use it a lot in marriage scenarios, right? Um, A woman will leave her home and cleave to her husband. We often use it in that sort of a way. But the thing is, is that the word of God does not confine cleave, that sense of Um, being bonded together through passionate love. That's actually the, the meaning of cleave. It says a commitment out of passionate love. That's actually not limited to the marriage relationship. The Bible does not limit us to that. And before we sort of start you know, thinking, oh, what is Pastor Beck preaching? This is a little bit odd. Um, let, me, let me tell you about this. <laughs> um, so there's this commitment, right, out of passionate love. And that can be found in friendship as well. And one of the friendships that we um, see in the Bible that I think really greatly represent this is between David and Jonathan. In 1 Samuel 18, it says, When David had finished speaking to Saul, Saul is Jonathan's dad um, and king at the time, the soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul... Saul and Saul, saying that too often in the same, it's very annoying. Uh, Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house, so took David in. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. So we see here this deep soul-level commitment to one another. And yet, you know, I think the church has done a bit of a disservice to us in regards to building friendship with one another because we talk about this deep commitment only being uh, kind of being exclusive to marriage, but it's not the case. And then we see out in our world as well, and it's, you know, rampant now where we would sexualize that sort of commitment out of passionate love. When we think passionate love, right? Like, often our minds will go to the sexual kind. But again, that's not what the Word of God is saying. It's actually saying that this is the deep, passionate sort of love that we can have for one another, and it's birthed out of a place of commitment. So as we commit to one another in friendship, there's this beautiful love at soul level where we could know each other so well and be there for each other so well, and it's not just for those who are married or whatever, but it's actually for our friendship. I love that so much and it's so beautiful because I feel like it's so freeing and and I can see it as a characteristic between um, myself and my friends, but sometimes when I look in the church, I think, yeah, we've, we've just sort of missed that and it's almost like we haven't had permission for that, but we've relegated it to marriage or, or sex, but that's not the case, church. We can have this deep commitment to one another. 
We see in this proverb, right, it's talking about companions and friends and that there's a difference between companion and friend. You know, companions, we can actually talk about our devices like that. This is my companion. Um, I don't know how many of you have heard that one, but I really laughed when I first saw a commercial about that, like, my companion. And then we we talk about our fluffy little companions, like our dogs and our cats, and and praise God for them. I love my little Mowgli, my big Mowgli, he's not little, my big furball Mowgli. Um, He's a great companion. And, you know, sometimes we do even talk about the spouse relationship as we are life companions. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I kind of laugh at that one as well. Um, But the thing is, there's something deeper about friend Friendship is born out of the sense of commitment to one another and it's actually translated loved one or beloved. It goes so much deeper than just being companions um, as we can see in this scripture. And you know, the picture that I see of this, like the, the kind of example that comes to my mind of how companionship and friendship can be different is um, during Leavers Week. You, you see the companions and you see the true friends. The companions will hang out with you as long as you're drunk, uh, experimenting with drugs and sleeping around and having fun and you're, you're sort of like, um, you're drunk but you're still functional. You know what I mean? Like companions will hang out with you during that time. But we see the friends really kick into action when, the f- when someone is passed out on their driveway on the way to the party and the companions will leave and say, well, see ya, we'll see you in the morning or we'll see you when we get back. You're no fun anymore because you can't do anything. But you see the friend out of the group will stick by that friend and they will nurse them back to health and they will see them to the following day, making sure that they're safe overnight. They look after them. They tend for them. They're a friend that loves at all times. But you know, even companions I've seen during this week, they will egg you on into ruin. This proverb talks about ruin. That if you've got lots of companions, you can still see ruin in your life. But it's the friend that can stop you from seeing ruin. I've seen many friends dissuade their um, friends during leave this week from their risky sort of behaviour and think, yeah, you're, you're the friend that's not going to cause this one to go into ruin. But you know what I found as well in those inevitable situations that the true friend sticks by the friend even if they've come to ruin, even if they've gone past their limits a little bit, they still stick by them. See, this is the difference. We, we don't want to have lots of companions in our life. We don't want to have a group of friends where when, when the rubber hits the road, we can't actually count on them, but we want friends who stick closer than a brother. You know, last week, Pastor Nate explored Jesus' command about loving one another and that it's actually a command. And I think this verse needs to be seen in light of this command because in the community of God, companionship can only go so far. But we want to create a community. We want to create friendship where we actually know each other as that, as that friend that sticks closer than a brother. I feel like God is saying, that's the invitation I've given my church, that you can know each other like this and you can help people actually stay on the path because this proverb talks about ruin right and that means a deviation away from the path what God has for us and so we can be those friends that actually help us stay the path and you know ultimately if you've been in friendships in church where you've had a friend who has walked away from God not saying that that's your fault that you weren't a good enough friend or anything like that but there's grace for us to actually be on each other's journey 
and warn one another, hey, I think that's not going to lead you to where God has for you. And we can actually come alongside each other in that way, prevent us from going into ruin. So how do we build these kinds of friendships? I don't know about you, but I want to have friends and I want to be a friend that loves at all times. And I want to be a friend that will spot my friends as well and not cause them to come to ruin. How do we actually be those friends? Pastor Tim Keller, he puts forward four building blocks that we find in the book of Proverbs. And they all start with the letter C just to help us out this morning. Um, And so I'll give them to you now and then we're going to unpack them. But this is all to, to kind of, if you are starting on this journey of really forging friendships, take note of these. Because when you have these building blocks in place, you have a friend, you have a true friend. But maybe for those of you who are evaluating friendships that you've had for maybe decades long, you know, switch into that sort of gear. Let's evaluate some things. What could be improved on? What are some things that, um, you know, honestly just need to walk away from? Let's, let's think about that as well. All right, so these four building blocks straight up there. Constantly, constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel. So let's start with constancy. You know, constancy, we refer back to that Proverbs 17, 17, where it talks about friends that love at all times. But, you know, we also don't want to be those friends that are in each other's pockets as well, right? Like, that's just a little bit too much. And in fact, Proverbs knows that that's too much, the author of Proverbs, because he says in Proverbs 25, verse 17, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. So there's a balance here, people, (laughs) a balance of, yes, I'm in your life, but it's also I'm not in your pocket. I'm not too full on and too in your face all the time, all right? So there's a balance here. But, you know, what I think all times actually indicates is spending all kinds of times. So let me ask you this way. Do you have different kinds of friends that you go to for different things? Maybe you have that friend that you go to to gossip about celebrity stuff, I have no, like, nothing else to say about that because I don't have this friend and, and I'm not really that friend, so I'm sorry if I disappoint any of you out there. Um, but maybe it's that friend or maybe it's the friend that you talk politics with, right? Maybe it's your church friend that you share your revelations about Christ and what he's doing in your life. That's that person that you go to to share with. Maybe it's your school friend where assignments are coming up, exams are coming up, and you hit the books together. Maybe it's your good times friend where you're just, you're stressed, you just need to have a good time, you know which friend to hit up, right? They're going to show you a good time. Maybe you have that supportive friend. You know, um, when Pastor Nate and I were leaving Centrepoint to plant lift, uh, the staff threw us a going away party. It was actually really cute. And uh, one of my friends who I was on staff with, she got up there and she wanted to say a few words about us. And it was funny because the rest of our group of friends were, were there as well. They were present in the party. And she gets up there and she's like, Beck is my supportive friend. Beck is my deep friend. With all my other friends, we just talk about light, fluffy stuff. We just talk about crap, to be honest. But Beck is that friend that I can, you know, heart to heart with. And it was so funny because you could see the looks on all of our friends' faces. They were just like, oh, offended? Like, what the heck? So I'm that supportive friend, apparently. Um, but maybe you have those sort of friends and maybe you have those thought-provoking friends where you can chat like to the early hours of the morning, talking about, you know, the stuff of life and, and your, your brain friends. Like, you know, have you ever met someone where you're like, I love your brain. I love how your brain thinks. Those kinds of friends, right? We may have some of those friends as well. 
Or we may have those cashed up friends where you know that if you're going to hang out with them, right, you're going to eat good food, you're going to look pretty good and you're going to have a good time, right? And they're probably going to spend lots of money on you. We have our cashed up friends as well. But the thing is, is that if we build a number of friends or companions maybe, based on different scenarios in life, we don't actually end up with one true friend, do we? We end up with sort of acquaintances, companions and stuff for different scenarios. But a true friend, we actually need to base that on doing all kinds of times with them. A number of different situations. Because a true friend, and we've already touched on this, is there when you're going through stuff. They're there that you, they're the kinds of people that you can have fun with, yes. But they're also the kinds of people that you can, you're comfortable enough to just breathe around. You don't have to act smarter than you actually are. You don't have to act more holy than you actually are. You can just be yourself. You can just breathe when you're around them. We need friends for all kinds of times. But you know, something that I guess is a little bit sad that Pastor Nate and I have seen over our um, time of being pastors. And in fact, I reckon if you were to ask any pastor about this, they would totally back us up on this. But there's a funny thing about us humans because when it comes to us going through difficult times in our life, constancy can just go out the window, right? And what we found as pastors is that when people are going through difficult times, some avoid coming to the gathering, specifically because people can't see me the way I am at the moment. I'm not all put together. My faith isn't, you know, up here and I'm not lifting my hands in worship and yelling at the top of my lungs. You know, there's doubts, there's difficulties that I'm going through and people stay away from the gathering. But you know what this does? It goes absolutely against this vital building block of constancy for our friendships. And in fact, we need to reframe that shame reflex and say, no, 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 I'm not going to give in to that anymore because I want friendships that are constant and I want to be a friend who is constant. I want to be a friend who is in season and out of season. We need to reframe this shame reflex and instead look at the opportunity that's before us. Yes, I'm going through something difficult, but I'm going to show up because the one thing I know about the mystery of the church is that we meet each other's needs. I love how in the early church, when you read it in the book of Acts, read about it in the book of Acts, it talks about how everyone came with what they had and they also came with their need. So they had something, but they were also lacking something. And people would come to the gathering of the church and they would have their needs met and they would have the blessing of meeting other people's needs as well. That's the kind of friendship that I believe we can have here in our church, in Lift Church, where we come and we are constantly, well, there's this constancy to our lives that we don't miss out on these opportunities to receive what we need, but to also give to other people. And what I really sensed um, preparing this message today was that some of us don't know that we are actually valuable enough to have our needs met that we stay away because we think, well, no one's really gonna see me, no one's gonna really care that deeply for me that I can share my need or I can share the challenge that I'm going through. And we sort of, before even trying to bring our need to church, we stop ourselves, we stop ourselves short. And we're always gonna be discounted if we do that. 
we're not going to be able to see true friendship that God desires us to have. And you know, in Hebrews 10.25, Pastor Nate touched on this last week, but it talks about how the church gathered regularly, they gathered daily. You know, we're not in a position to do that. Um, we, we, there's so much busyness to our lives these days, but if we can be constant, we can see uh, an element at least of what the early church had, the closeness of friendship, the bondedness that they had, and this idea of when we're constant, our needs are met. There's nothing that needs to go unmet within the church community. So that's the first building block, constancy. The second one is carefulness. So Proverbs 25, verse 20, that's so funny, I said carefulness and then something fell over. Not very careful. Uh, (laughs) Proverbs 25, 20 says, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. I would always use this one on uh, Nate because when we first got married, he'd wake me up by taking the covers of our bed off and I would just be like, no, this is the one. Like, that's something I hate. Like, I actually hate it and so I'd always be like Proverbs says do not take a garment off on cold day anyway love you babe um, oh but it annoyed me so much he stopped doing it he stopped doing it so that's good um, getting back to what this proverb says getting back to the wisdom in the proverb um, So singing songs, what does it talk about in this? It talks about joy it talks about celebrating and bringing a cheerfulness right? And this talks about a lack of connection to the emotional state of our friend or to the other person. You know, I think we've all sort of come across people who maybe you share a problem that you're having and they sort of like just want to appease it and and maybe are scared of negative emotions themselves. They're like, oh, you'll be fine. Like, you'll be great. Don't even worry about it. There's a disconnection there, right? But emotionally connected friends, true friends, they know how to sort of empathise with where you're at. Even when you're building friendship, you might not be there yet where I can say, hey, I know this about you and I know that this would be something that you're struggling with right now. Even when you're not there yet, you can at least step into that place of, you know, this conversation's a bit uncomfortable for me. I'm I'm not so comfortable with the emotions that are coming out of this, but I'm going to step into it. I'm going to be here for you. And I'm going to work this out as well. You know, true friends are emotionally connected. Um, I think it was last week, week before, one of my friends texted me and said, Beck, my dad's passed away. And I hadn't seen this friend for maybe a few months, but last year we spent, um, we, we were constantly, constancy, uh, there was a constancy to our relationship last year and, and we were really there for one another. Um, And so when she messaged me, something happened, like, in my heart and in my body. (laughs) It was really weird, and I couldn't really describe it well, but it was almost like a heaviness in my soul. I felt what she was feeling, and and the funny thing is is that I hadn't seen this friend for a few months, um, and she's in India right now with the family, so I couldn't even see her, and it wasn't face-to-face, this conversation, but I could feel this heaviness, and it's because we had spent time emotionally connecting. And it was really strange, because for days it was sort of like this heaviness that just couldn't lift. And so, you know, I prayed for her, sent her some messages, and just said, hey, I'm here for you. Um, It's this emotional connection. That's sort of what we experience when we're emotionally connected. You know, 
I remember going through a difficult season myself. I mean, we all, we all go through difficulties. Like, um, this was one of them. But um, I went to this friend, right? And I just wanted to share. I just sort of wanted to um, have somebody listen. And so I went. And I didn't preface this conversation with, hey, I just need you to listen. So that's on me. That's on me. Um, but I shared. And then my friend proceeded to fix. We all have the fix it friend. And if you don't have it, you're probably it, right? You're probably <laughs> the friend <laughs> that fixes things. No, but honestly, fix-it friends are amazing. And, and I've learnt if I preface conversations, they're also amazing at empathising, and that's it. Um, but this was fairly early on in our relationship. And um, so I was sharing something. And so when I share, and I'm having an internal conversation with myself and this conversation was around maybe I shouldn't have come to this person because they're not really understanding what I need right now. Starting to think that, and then I sort of checked out. How many of you, when your internal conversation, you check out? Anyway, I do that. Um, and I think my friend picked up on the fact that I was checking out. And so they stopped me and they're like, hang on, wait a minute. Am I being helpful to you or is there something that I'm missing? I'm like, oh, well, actually... And sorry I didn't tell you in the beginning, um, but I, j I sort of just needed you to listen. I just wanted you to, you know, be that shoulder to cry on in this moment. And then they said, oh, well, sorry, and next time, like, if you can, just let me know at the beginning, because I'm either way, like, I'm happy to help you solve your problems, of course, um, but then I'm also happy to just listen and just maybe being a sounding board if that's what you need. And, you know, I found that conversation really awkward, because I was like, we're not just relating right now, we're working on our friendship. Weird, right? But I think it's so vital to actually have those conversations where we can work on our friendships. And so this friend who um, was wanting to be careful with my heart and careful with how they act and they behave towards me so that they can benefit me and, and not withdraw, um, they, they asked the question, they asked the awkward question and we could talk about it and we could actually work it out. These conversations are so worth having if we really want to build friendships that actually we're connected, we're emotionally connected and we truly want to care for one another. So that's our second C, carefulness. The next C is for candor. And we don't often use this word anymore. And so for those of you who are like, what the heck does that mean? It means having an openness and an honestness. So in Proverbs 27, verse 5 to 6, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse or abundant are the kisses of an enemy. Now, I think having candor is one of the things that in friendships we really find difficult. Or we really we just feel so uncomfortable with being honest and open about another person's shortfalls. Sure, we can we can be, you know, fine with people pointing out ours, but sometimes we don't want to point out other people's because we love them too much, right? You hear that. I think I was like watching a movie last night and they said exactly like that, but I love them too much to tell them the truth. But the thing is, is that this proverb is actually saying that you're being a friend when you say those things when you are open and honest and give good godly feedback to someone but if you were to hide those I don't know the things that need correcting or rebuking if you were to hide that you're actually setting yourself up as the enemy of that person and you know Tim Keller actually says that 
uh, one of the reasons why we don't actually want to give honest feedback to our friends, it's not out of love, but it's actually for the fact that we want to protect ourselves, that we don't want to like, come into the discomfort of having an uncomfortable conversation. We just want to protect ourselves. But if we truly love our friends, we're going to be honest with them. We're going to say, hey, this is something that I've seen you do or, or a character trait that just, you know, I think that's not really fitting for you and it's not fitting for where God has you going in life as well. We actually need to give that good feedback. You know, when Nate and I were going through um, the adoption process for our son, Sam, we moved through the different lectures, the different uh, educational classes that you go through with a group, with a cohort. And um, kind of comes to story time, we all get to share our story. And there was one couple in our group where the man was actually adopted himself. But he, um, he went through a closed adoption, which basically means he has little to no information about his birth origins. And, and you know, policy was actually that we keep that hush-hush. Um, but that's all changed now, praise God. Um, but he recounts his story about how all along in his childhood he didn't know anything that he was adopted. Um, but when he was 16, I believe it was his 16th birthday party, he was having a barbecue with family and friends, and one of the uncles or cousins or something let slip that he was adopted. And he, like, he said that he left the house that day and he never returned. He hadn't seen his parents, he hadn't made contact with them because the lack of trust that he encountered that day where he said, you've kept that huge truth about my life away from me for 16 years, and I don't know if you ever planned on telling me that. Um, You've kept that from me. What else are you keeping from me? You know, this is a bit of a, it was a huge story with many ramifications, but and it was between a man and his family and his parents. But the principle in it, it still remains. The principle of truth and honesty wins the day in friendship. We can't keep covering things up and, and say, you know, I don't want to wound my friend, but actually we're wounding them if we don't speak the truth about what's going on in their life. We actually need to get a bit uncomfortable sometimes. And the thing is about being true friends is that Again, we need to be okay with being uncomfortable, but also hurting. Because how many of you know, if you've ever sat down with someone who you truly love and had this, this sort of conversation with them, you know that it hurts you as much as it hurts them to hear that. It hurts you saying that, um, and it hurts them to receive it. But in the long term, it pays off. It wins the day, absolutely. So that's the third building block, candor. And the fourth one, fourth and final one, is C for counsel. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. See, this is the good result of a godly friend's counsel. It actually sharpens the recipient. It makes them better. You know, this is something I think that can be a bit dangerous in today's world, and we actually need to use discernment with, because You know, we have social media, we have just people today just giving their opinion about all sorts of things that they might not even be professionals on, right? But we listen to, the culture of today is that we just listen to any opinion that sort of sounds good. But if we're the people of God, we actually need to check that by the truth from the word of God. And so to be a true friend and to have 
you know, make true friends as well. We actually need to know the word of God. And we need to know, um, we need to know it not just for ourselves, but so that we can counsel people in the right way. Because when we counsel people on God's word, we're counseling them in truth. And it will actually help and it will sharpen them for their journey. You know, this is where constancy intersects with counsel. It's when we've had a constancy to our friendship that we can actually see the fruit of uh, the lives of our friends, right? If you've been walking with them for only so long, you sort of don't really know what the fruit is of their life. You don't know what um, they've implemented and what has been good fruit. But if you've done a bit of life with them, you would see that, oh, actually, you know, they do have faith. Actually, they do have a great character. Actually, they are wise and they've made good decisions. Um, and, and, you know, they have godly counsel. When we know people, when we've done a little bit of life with them, we can see the fruit of their journey. And so when we go to them for wisdom or advice, we can see the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the punch. The proof is in the pudding. Proof is in the pudding. Feel free to use punch if you want to. Um, just made it up. Uh, but we can see, actually, in their life that that's somebody I'm going to go to because they get it. They get something, and that's something that I want. And, you know, a few... Uh, so that's our last seat for today, council. You know, a few years ago, um, I had the, the real privilege, actually, of kind of going through this situation with a friend where, uh, looking back on it, I saw all these four Cs in action in the season with a friend. She um, was going through a real rough time and it was, it was affecting her, it was affecting her identity. Um, and so she was making some choices that were really uncomfortable for me to listen to and to watch her make those choices. It's actually really heartbreaking, you know, morally not doing good, but her identity was just being smashed by these choices that she was making. And, you know, if you've ever been through a season like that with your friend, you would know that it's heart-wrenching to watch them go through that. But of course, because we can't control other people, we can only control ourselves, we, we sort of just have to stick it out. But, you know, I realised, well, let me backtrack, well, there was this one particular conversation where she was just sort of sharing these things that she had done over the last month or so. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, God, am I going to lose this friend to, you know, is she going to backslide? We have based this friendship on our love for Jesus Christ and following him wholeheartedly. And it seems like she's walking away from this God, what's going to happen, not just to my friend, but to our friendship? What does this mean for us? But, you know, as, I, as she went home and I reflected a little bit more and prayed a little bit more about this, I could see the constancy of our friendship. There was something about it that comforted me that I knew who she was. I actually knew what she valued. And this was a season that she was experimenting and looking outside of her values. But I sort of knew that she's going to come back because there was constancy there. I could see her in all these different seasons. And, you know, because we had taken great care of each other's hearts, I, I felt this, this compelling to actually, no, stick by her, see the season through. And because we had this open relationship where I could share and say, hey, actually, what you're doing, I, I, can't, I can't affirm what you're doing. I love you, but I'm not going to say that that's right, what you're doing. And in fact, I'm going to warn you and say, that's not going to help you build an identity that's centred on God. That's going to completely destroy the hard work that you <laughs> have put in 
to yourself and to your destroy. But because we had that care for one another and because we had that open honesty and because she actually was coming for counsel, there was something in me that gave me a peace about this friendship. You know, sometimes we will go through hard times with our friends and we will go through hard times and our friends will be on that side where they're just watching and seeing what we're doing and and their heart's going to ache for us. But the thing is, is that we have a God who actually gives us grace for this. And this is where I want to land this morning. In the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, Jesus is referred to as the friend of sinners. Don't know if you've seen that or you kind of glossed over it. But he's the friend of sinners. And so what that meant for me, walking through the season with my friend, is that I'm a recipient of Jesus' friendship. I'm a sinner. I qualify. So I've been befriended by Christ, and that means I can draw from that friendship. I can draw from strength from him. I have grace to actually walk by the side of my friend and be a friend to her in a time of need. And this morning where I wanted to sort of land things was to ask you, do you know of the friendship that you have an invitation to in Christ? Do you know him as that counsellor that brings only goodness into your life through his counsel? Do you know the candour? Do you know the open and honesty? Have you felt the fruit of his rebuke when you've taken that on? Have you seen that bring life to you? Do you know that Jesus is the one who will care for you more than any other human being, more than your spouse, more than your parent, more than your closest friend. Jesus cares for you so much more. Yeah. And do you know, and I, and I love that Beck was talking about this today, we are praying about this t- this morning as well, but that Jesus is constant. Even when we can't reach out to our friends here in the physical We have a friend in Jesus where he is constantly by our side, constantly. You know, this last week, as I mentioned, it was a bit of a big week for me, taking on a little bit more. I found the friendship of Jesus so comforting. I reached out to a few friends just to see if they were sort of available for dinner, just for a chop out midweek. But one of them was sick and one of them wasn't even in the state. Um, You know who I'm talking about. Um, But... I came back to this place of, of God, I'm, I'm alone in this. And then that's when Jesus was like, no, you're not. You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that friend is in me. Talked a couple of weeks back how God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and in truth. The fact that Jesus is spirit means that we can cry out to him, we can call out to him, we can sense his friendship in our lives at any moment that we need him. All right? Okay, so why don't we just take a moment, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Jesus, God, we thank you that you are a friend to sinners. God, I thank you that means that we all have an invitation. (laughs) We all have an invitation to your friendship. Jesus, you don't deny anyone. No, thank you for your arms that stretch out wide towards us, your heart that is open to all of us. God, no matter where we've come from, no matter what path we've walked, no matter what family we come from, no matter what culture we come from, no matter what sin you know, we've committed this week, Jesus, I thank you that you are that friend 
that throws open the invitation to have friendship with us. And so God, I pray that this week, as we go about it, that we would accept that invitation. God, that we would know that in those moments where we can't maybe see your grace and see your presence in the friendships around us, God, I thank you that we can always come back to you and that you are that constant friend for us. God, I pray for your grace upon us that as we outwork these four C's in our life, God, that we would see beautiful friendships grow in this church. God, I declare it into being in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that we're going to cultivate friendships where we stick closer than a brother, where we're there for each other, that we love one another at all times. God, we thank you for your love this morning. We thank you for your heart. God, we receive it. Pray your blessing over every person here. And God, every person not here as well, Lord, we extend the blessing out. God, we pray for healing where healing is needed. God, we pray for your grace where grace is needed. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.